sometimes horrible things happen to good people. Life isn't fair, and it can be heart-wrenching. And if you're having one of those dark days, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay to feel that darkness. When challenges and issues come back to back to back to back, and it seems like something is after me, something is attacking me, something is attacking my journey, look for the lesson in it all. You will grow through what you go through. The question is, are you willing to go through it? When those bad things happen, what are you going to do? Are you going to let this horrible situation dictate the way you feel and the way you handle it? Are you going to fall over, fall down, fall apart? Or are you going to face this issue with courage and with resolution? You no darkness. So embrace, embrace that darkness. Don't look away from it. Own it. And welcome to Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast, highlighting the stuff that's been stepped in so you don't have to. I'm Son Edom. We're broadcasting live. Radiowarp.com. It's 10 p.m. in the West, 1 a.m. in the East. And you can listen to us every Tuesday night live, 10 p.m. Pacific time on RadioWarp.com. Also on Facebook Live, but I have a feeling that our Facebook live stream is probably sideways. I don't think it's working right tonight. So it is what it is, but you can catch us on RadioWarp.com. And again, my name is Son Edom. And you heard there, it's okay not to be okay, right? A lot of things going on. I recently got back from a weekend trip to Las Vegas, which was going to be the kind of the heart of what I was going to talk about. But then from this afternoon, when I posted some promo videos on social media to now, there's been a lot of things that have come up. And one of the things is exactly that, social media. Recently, Dante Wright was Murdered, killed by a police officer in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota. The police officer mistook her, or mistook, yeah. She thought she had her taser in her hand. She had her gun. Ended up shooting Dante Wright and killing him. But that's not what I want to talk about as far as the specifics of the case, because you all know it. You've seen it on social media. You've probably read about it, so you know. But here's the thing. In past shows, we've talked about social media and social media's impact on society. One of the documentaries that we've discussed in past shows is the social experiment, how the genesis of social media came about, the intent of social media, and what drives social media today. And this was a documentary done by people that created the social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and so on. And one of the things that was said was that misinformation, 
false information, basically lies, spread quicker on social media, such as Twitter, than real news does, okay? So as I'm strolling, uh, strolling through social media, I'm trying to get an understanding of what the public maybe feels about this. And I come across a video. And then I follow it up and I find that same video on YouTube. And it's a guy who goes on social media and has this video that I want to play for you. And he basically says he has the answer. Breaking news, he says, as to why Dante Wright was gunned down in the streets. I have breaking news about Dante Wright. Nobody knows this yet. I know why he had a warrant out for his arrest, and this is tragic. Go to Minnesota Judicial Branch, Minnesota Court Records online. Put in his case number. Boom. Case number, State of Minnesota versus Dante Demetrius Wright. This next part is really messed up, and I'm sorry. Dante Wright had a warrant out for his arrest because the notice for the Zoom hearing was sent to the wrong address. Yep, you got it right. They sent the notice of hearing to the wrong address. And then they issued a warrant for his arrest. And now he's dead. Okay, so the guy in the video alludes to the fact that a warrant was sent to the wrong address. And end result, warrant is issued. And Dante Wright then is shot and killed. But that's not entirely true. In fact, if you do the very thing that he says to do, go to the website, the Minnesota Judicial website, and you look at the case, you can get all the information of the case right there online. But what he doesn't explain is the genesis of the case. I've got all the information right here. I downloaded it. It's all right here from the very beginning to the very end. Every single thing that the court system and Dante Wright and the lawyers and the attorneys, everything, paperwork-wise, is right there. So he alludes to the fact that on February 5th of 2021, this year, the court system in Minneapolis posts on the website under this case that a piece of postage was returned to the courthouse on 2-5. Now, if you go back to the previous document, which is dated 2-2, there is a motion for an appearance, and that is sent out via mail. And it's basically telling, I guess this case, Dante, that he has to appear on August 2nd of 2021 at 9 a.m. for an appearance. That was, that's what was sent out February 2nd. Prior to that, you had something dated January 5th that was mailed out because it says on the document mailed to defendant that there's a notice of hearing coming up June 21st of 2021 at 9 a.m. Previous document to that, January 8th, 2021, a notice to appear for May 24th, 2021 at 9 a.m. Mailed to the defendant on 1-8. Now, the Zoom meeting he's talking about was a hearing on January 25th at 9 a.m. On the document, it does not say it was mailed to the defendant. In fact, it says it was carbon copied to the defendant. So as you go through the information, you start to realize that what this guy's saying on social media is probably incorrect, and he has no clue what he's talking about. 
because the only warrant that was issued, according to the documents on the website that he lists, is a warrant for a parole violation in July of last year, 2020. But then there's appearances in court by him. So I don't want to sit here and litigate the case and talk about the case. I'm just presenting some facts from the documents online that this guy is stating on a website that we should go to that shows that the court sent documents to the wrong address and therefore that was the result for Dante Wright being shot and killed. But he's wrong. The information doesn't say that. First of all, there's no information that says why the document was returned. It does say can't forward to the sender, so it was returned to sender, or can't forward to the addressee because it was returned to sender. It doesn't say why it was. Maybe whoever was there at the place, the residence, just kicked it back. Put do not uh, return to sender on it. We don't know. It also says in court documents that if the defendant moves, changes a phone number, email address, things like that, it's up to the defendant to give the court the correct information. Nothing in the documents state otherwise. So one piece of return mail, according to this guy, is the sole reason why Dante Wright got it wrong. Let me play it again, and then I'll tell you why it's significant. I have breaking news about Dante Wright. Nobody knows this yet. I know why he had a warrant out for his arrest, and this is tragic. Go to Minnesota Judicial Branch, Minnesota Court Records online. Put in his case number. Boom. Case number, State of Minnesota versus Dante Demetrius Wright. This next part is really messed up, and I'm sorry. Dante Wright had a warrant out for his arrest because the notice for the Zoom hearing was sent to the wrong address. Yep, you got it right. They sent the notice of hearing to the wrong address, and then they issued a warrant for his arrest, and now he's dead. So I'm looking at the document right here. Notice for Zoom meeting. Doesn't say it was mailed. Every other document that was mailed has a notification that says when it was mailed. Leads me to believe that Dante was handed this information because then after that, there's subsequent documentation for upcoming hearings. And possibly, if we want to read between the lines like this guy does, perhaps there were some continuances. Remember, there's lawyers involved, attorneys involved. It's not just some clerk in the court sending information here, there, wherever. There's a lot of stuff going on. So he looks at one piece of information and makes this huge leap. And it doesn't even say what document was returned. Has no information. And here's where that dangerous thing that comes from social media spreading of misinformation. Are you ready? I'm scrolling through social media and I see another post. I see another post from somebody that says, Hey, we've got an update and basically replays this guy's video and says, oh my gosh, this is revealing. How does this guy know it? And nobody else does. Well, exactly. That should tell you right away and question exactly what this guy is saying. And then I see another video and another video says there's a text box, I guess you can say with some information. And then the lady or the girl on the video says that the email about the Zoom meeting was sent to the wrong address. And therefore, he didn't get it because it was sent to the wrong email. So right away, there's misinformation we got from mail to now email. And so you play that telephone game, and in the end, 
Who knows what the original message was? But see, that's the point. That's the point with all this, okay? We all know, one, that Dante Wright was arrested for attempted robbery, aggravated robbery, maybe armed robbery. It said he had a gun. It's right here. Armed robbery. He had a gun, okay? And this this conversation isn't about that. It's just a fact. The fact that the officer shot him said it was a, she said she thought she had a taser but had a gun. Now she resigned as she should because if you're a veteran cop and you don't know the difference between a taser and a gun, you got to go. What is that? But then there's more to the story because as you deep uh, dig deeper, you start to realize that there's a lot of stuff that's really getting nutty. So if you go to the Minnesota Judicial Branch, you can check out the thing for yourself. Find the information yourself. Do the digging yourself. Don't just rely on social media and some nut job on social media who says he has breaking news that no one else does. My God, if a guy on social media is breaking news, are you kidding me right now? The attorneys weren't involved. The attorneys didn't know about this. The lawyers, the public defenders, the judge, they're all incompetent. No, the guy's making stuff up and he's just fanning the flames. And you're starting to see it spread. You're starting to see one person repeat it and say this is gold. This is absolute fact. Then you have someone else repeating it but calling it an email. So obviously it's changed now from mail to email. What are we doing? That's how this information spreads. The narrative is always out there. And then when the truth follows up, it's nothing that the narrative says. And everybody's up in, up in arms. You know, they're rioting. Dollar trees being stormed and burned and other stores. Apparently, eyelashes are all the rage as they were looted from a beauty salon. You've got all kinds of people rioting. Sneakers, Nike, apparently Nike. You gotta, you gotta go loot and get a pair of Nikes because somebody lost their life. And what you just missed out is the tragedy of the whole thing. And then you start to see the narrative that he was pulled over because he had air fresheners dangling from his rearview mirror. And there is a code that says you can't have things dangling from your rearview mirror. However, you read other reports, and it says he was pulled over because expired tags. But everyone says air fresheners. He got pulled over because of air fresheners and was shot and killed because a piece of mail was returned to the court. And now you've got all these people in a frenzy over this. Are you kidding me? Is this what we've come to? But it's okay because social media says it's okay. And it spreads. And it gets crazy. And people just suck it up. They don't inform themselves. They don't look. They don't do the research. I went and got the information myself. I'm not a lawyer, so I'm not claiming any of this I do is legal, legalized stuff. But if you are a reasonable person, you can look at the information. You can go through the information and kind of deduct, do some deductive reasoning, look at it through some logic on the paperwork when it says mail to defendant and it gives a date. I'm assuming that it was mailed to the defendant on that date. If I see another document that has his signature on it, we can deduct that he was actually given the paper when he signed it. And here it is. You are required to appear in court as indicated on January 25th of 2021, and this was issued on September 9th of 2020. And then as you start to delve a little deeper, you do start to see some sanity. People saying like, hey, you know what? You should know your court date. You should have this information. You shouldn't just be out there and not knowing and not being capable of knowing what's going on. But it's the misinformation that's being spread. And think back over the entire year that we just had and how much of this misinformation 
was spread? How much misinformation did you all think was fact and factual and it turned out to be nothing? It turned out to be wrong. The narrative was ahead of the story and the narrative became X and then the truth came out and it was Z. And that's the dangers of social media. Any nut job can get on social media and post anything and people will believe it. You don't believe me? That's fine. I encourage you to do your own research. Check the facts. I don't need you to rely on me to tell you. You should be doing this yourself. You should be checking the facts. If you see something and call BS on it, do the research. I saw this video. I'm like, wait a minute. This does not sound right at all. And sure enough, you do some digging. And the guy's sitting there and saying that it was a Zoom meeting that was mailed to the wrong place. That's not even the case. That whole Zoom meeting wasn't even mailed according to these court documents. It was hearings for later on in the year that was mailed to the defendant on certain dates. So I don't know what this guy's talking about. But then the scary thing is someone else picks it up and replays it. It says, breaking news, this guy discovered something. This is the new narrative. And then someone else runs with it and says it's an email. That's completely misinformation. Complete lie. They changed it. And who knows what's going to happen down the road when it comes to this story. And then how someone's supposed to get a fair trial. Air freshener. He got pulled over for air freshener. That wasn't the case. According to other reports, more reliable reports, it was expired tags. And again, it's not about him in this conversation. It's sad. It's tragic. Should never happened. But what we're talking about is misinformation being spread on the internet, on social media, that people, especially younger people, aren't going to do the research, and so they take it. Just like the Georgia voting laws. Everyone says it's racist, it's Jim Crow. We talked about it last time. It's not. You look at it, there's nothing there Jim Crow-ish about it at all. Lies and misinformation. And that's what people run with. And in fact, Senator Warnock, he signed an email or a document, a press release, I guess you can say, that basically was a lie. And he admitted it. He admitted it that he sent out a press release, signed, and it was all a lie. The facts weren't in there. Yet people don't care. People don't care that this goes on, that the misinformation is being spread. And then you have a lot of people in the periphery, like the owner or the people that work at Dollar Tree that got burned down, the beauty salon that got looted, other businesses and establishments. There was one picture of an establishment that says we need to end racism and it got looted because people are out there and they don't have a clue what they're doing. They don't have a clue what they're talking about. And then you take a look at other things that are going on with this case. Okay, so outside of misinformation by some nut job on the internet who is uh, spreading misinformation, he has no clue. So whatever the truth is in the matter, This guy doesn't know it. I don't really know the full truth of it because I'm not there. But I can look online, get documents, print off documents, look at dates, look at times, put out a timeline, and come to a rational conclusion that what he says is probably very wrong and has nothing to do with the reason why that piece of mail was sent back. And obviously had nothing to do with the fact that he was pulled over. Maybe Dante didn't report a new address. Maybe he just left. Maybe he didn't care. How many times do you get some how many times do you get something as far as a jury summons and you just chuck it? You don't care. Or other things come in the mail and you don't get it. It ends up someplace. I get pieces of mail from people that probably lived here years ago. 
I stopped returning it because the post office won't even take it anymore. So what happens? What happens to those people getting this, not getting this information? I don't care anymore because if the post office isn't going to take it back, that's not my problem. I can't deal with it anymore. So I leave it in the mailbox until I guess somehow it gets cleaned out. But that's the point. We don't have information. You can't just look on a website and see a return piece of mail and come to the conclusion that that was the return piece of mail that was a Zoom meeting that then was sent to the wrong place that caused Dante to miss a something or other, in this case probably a Zoom meeting according to this guy, and then that ends up in a warrant. We don't know that. And besides, won't the attorneys know and the attorneys be able to inform him? And most of the time, I've discovered that when you get something in the mail from the courts, it's usually a courtesy And a lot of times it goes through your lawyer. Look it up. Research it yourself. Do you think that people, defendants, and lawyers and attorneys are going to rely on the the post office for it to be the official reason or the official delivery method of important documentation? Of course not. The attorneys are going to know. They're going to inform the clients. So he sits there. Everybody's in a heightened state of emotion because of this. And he's going to sit there and put that out there on social media and say it's fact, and this is what happened, breaking news? What an idiot. It gets tiresome. Because then we all have to deal with it. We all have to deal with the fact that then everything else that comes with it. And then you look at the overall thing. How many times do politicians, because here's the other thing. You get people sitting there saying, enough, enough, enough. Greg Popovich, coach of the Spurs, when is enough, enough? The Minnesota Twins, the Minnesota Wild, the Minnesota Timberwolves, all didn't play their games that day. When's enough enough? Aaron Hicks of the New York Yankees didn't want to play. When's enough enough? When's enough enough? And who's the, who's the people that can make it enough's enough? It's the politicians in charge. The people want it, but what are the politicians doing? So you have this young kid mayor, uh, Brooklyn Center, and the first thing he does is he gets rid of the city manager, Why? Because the city manager, when asked about the police officer and what was going to happen to her, he says, we expect due process to be done. Due process. Mayor didn't like that, fires the city manager. Then what happens? They have an emergency meeting. The city council votes to give authority over the police department to the mayor's office. So now the mayor gets rid of the city manager because due process is a bad thing. He takes over oversight of the police department, which he shouldn't. There should be a separation of powers. And then at a virtual council workshop, one of the council members said she voted to remove the city manager, not because he did something wrong, not because he should be fired, but because she feared for her property and retaliation by protesters if she voted to keep him on. He was doing a great job. I respect him dearly. I didn't want repercussions at a personal level. So she dumped the dude for personal reasons. Self-preservation, isn't that what uh, politicians do? It's either self-preservation or to gain more power or to move up to the next office. And that's what they're doing. And then you look at the, the mayor's Twitter account. Selfie, I'm on the phone with the president. Selfie, I'm on the phone with the family. Selfie, I'm doing this. Selfie, I'm at a peaceful protest, but yet I'm wearing a military style helmet. And that's all he's doing is self-engrandizing himself, making himself better. And then you get a guy who puts out a tweet 
that says, no, Dante Wright should not have been shot. Yes, the cops effed up. However, let's not make a saint out of a 20-year-old guy with a long rap sheet who was awaiting trial for felony armed robbery. And then there's a lot of pushback on that. And then there's pushback on the pushback saying this is factual. And then you have this guy, a guy on social media. I don't know him. This is the first time I came across him. But this is his input on the whole thing. And keep in mind, from the video, this guy is a person of color. Start raising these irresponsible men and then giving them a pass when they get popped. He got everything that was coming to him. And I do not care. After you start fighting police and resisting arrest, I don't care what happened to you. And I hope that this officer lose her job because you can't be a cop doing this. You can't. It was it was an accident. I get it. It was an accident. I understand. Heat of the moment. Stuff happens. You can't be a cop. You don't have the temperament. You don't have the composure. Nobody pulled out a gun but you. Nobody put out a taser but you. And even if you did, at, at, at minimum, pull out the doggone taser and use the taser. This has happened before. I get it. I don't think she's going to be charged. I don't think she should be charged. It was an honest mistake in a heated situation caused by Mr. Wright. But you can't be a cop no more. Put the uniform up. You weren't made for this. You weren't made for it. Did anything he say, is it wrong? Is anything that he said not logically correct and reasonable? But if you have emotion, he's going to be wrong. Of course it was the cop's fault. Of course Dante didn't do anything. Court documents say otherwise. So what do we do? When is enough enough? And what do we do to stop it? I don't think politicians want to. Because they like to use the divisiveness of these things to continue to grow their power. To continue to grow their authority. Look what happened during COVID. Two weeks to flatten the curve. Here in California... It's going to be over a year. It's going to be like 14, 15 months before we fully reopen from the two weeks to flatten the curve. Michigan, still a lot of things going on there with their politicians, other places. And then there's calls to defund police continue. Look at, uh, I think this mayor came out uh, a little bit later in the day and said that police shouldn't be able to use or should have minimum time when they have their gun. They shouldn't have to have a, a gun on a traffic stop because they don't need it. But yeah, he's surrounded by armed security. Oh, what about the National Guard and the fence that's erected about around Capitol, Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C.? Those politicians calling for, in fact, one of them, and I forget off the top of my head, and I'm not just going to throw out a name, but it's one of the squad members, said that we need to just do away with policing, jails, and militarization because it's all bad. But yeah, she's sitting behind a fence in D.C. with the National Guard guarding her, but we got to do away with it but she's protected by it. These people don't care. They don't want change. You can go through the stats. I've got stats written down here. How many whites, how many blacks, how many Hispanics, how many others have been killed by police over the years? 457 white people in 2017. 457 white people in 2020. 50 so far this year. Black people, 223 in 2017. 241 last year. 30 so far this year, and so on. But yet we like to focus on the political ones. We like to focus on the ones that make the headlines because the news puts it out there and it gets us all riled up and we got to loot and we got to riot and we got to burn things down because that's how we solve things. 
you could go back to Michael Brown, 2014, 2017, whatever it was. How come things haven't changed? And then, of course, you look at when it comes to shootings, the police, if the police shoot somebody, it's the police's fault. But if somebody else shoots somebody, like the string of shootings that we've had, maybe at schools and stuff, or at the mall in Colorado from the Syrian guy, then guns are the problem. Mixed messages. You've got to blame the person if he's wearing a uniform, but then we've got to blame the, blame the inanimate object if it's something else. They don't care. So what can be done? You look at Chicago. Chicago's been a hotbed of gun homicide over the years. In fact, this year, well, last year they had 769 homicides, gun-related homicides in 2020. This year, there's 795, and we're just in mid-April. What do we do? Nobody wants the answers. You can look at anything. We've been dealing with this for years. We've been dealing with immigration issues for years. Nothing ever gets solved. And so you get frustrated. I get frustrated. Social media gets frustrated outside of those idiots that spread false information. And we get frustrated. You've got athletes getting frustrated. You've got celebrities getting frustrated. Everybody gets frustrated, and rightfully so. But then what happens? We take sides, and that becomes divisive. And then we can't talk about it. Like Fallon Fox won't come on and talk about transgendered athletes because I'm not the right audience. How do we have dialogue? How do we talk about it? What do we do? We sit there and watch social media and we just listen to that and we run with that. And then we argue about it. And then we put the blame. And then we make up a narrative. And then we find out later that the truth wasn't the narrative. So what do we do with this? I don't know. How about this? And I just want to throw this out there as an example. So we have a white female police officer shoot Dante Wright. She resigned as she should. I'll let the court system figure that out if they're going to press charges or whatever. I'm not going to weigh in on that because I wasn't there. I didn't see it. I saw the body cam. And yeah, it was, she's waving a gun. How can you not know the difference between a taser and a gun when you've been on the force as long as she has? She's 48 years old, been on the force a long time. Decorated officer at that. Maybe it was a mistake. Like the guy said in the clip I just played a little bit ago. Maybe it was an honest mistake. We don't know. But what about this ex-NFL player, Philip Adams, black player, apparently had some uh, issues with pain. He shot a white doctor, his white doctor, wife and grandkids, because the doc wouldn't uh, prescribe more pain meds. And then he ended up killing himself. No outrage? No, I'm not saying we should have outrage. There's a lot of things in this story, like mental health issues, like the pain caused from maybe playing football. And we all know that football can cause brain injuries that would lead to brain damage that leads to then mental health issues. I'm not calling for that. But how do we look at one thing when it's a black guy killing a white doctor over pain pills And yet a white cop kills a black guy who has a criminal case pending for armed robbery. That's facts, not opinion. And yet we burn the town down. Where do we draw the line? But what's missed out is the loss by everybody. The loss by the families on both sides. Dante's family is devastated, as they should be. The doctor's family, devastated, as they should be. Philip Adams' family, devastated. There's a lot of hate. I mean, a lot of hurt. Probably some hate in the aftermath. 
as we've seen, but a lot of hurt by these people. Probably a lot of hurt from people in the NFL over this. A lot of people can relate. How many people have we heard that they've taken their lives because of sports injuries, the pain and the brain? They just can't handle it anymore. From the mental illness, I think of Junior Seau. He was one. And then they donate their brain to science to try to figure out what's going on. Where do we draw the line? What's the answer? A lot of money involved in the NFL. Big money. Billions. Billionaires. They're not going to change anything. Lose revenue. Lose money. Players. What about black players? Do we care about them? Philip Adams, black NFL player, got so low that he ended up basically in a murder-suicide situation because of mental health issues. Where's the NFL stepping up and helping out these former athletes? Why aren't they held accountable for allowing this to happen? Where's the questions? Well, we got the questions, but where are the answers? And why aren't we asking more questions? And why aren't we dialoguing? Because there's too much at stake. Politicians need their power. Power equals money. Influence. Make change for their own thing. Re-election. NFL. Billions of dollars. Other sports. We looked at Major League Baseball. They moved the All-Star game out of Georgia because of the Georgia voter laws. And again, do your research on it. But if you look at it, there's no racism in those laws. In fact, Colorado has harsher, stricter voter laws. And everyone came out and said that. Why did they move? Political move. Black community of Atlanta losing out hundreds of millions of dollars. Or what about the head of Black Lives Matter? Apparently, she just bought a million-dollar home in an exclusive white area of Los Angeles. A lot of people cracking on her for that. In fact, Jason Whitlock got banned from Twitter for posting that. He was a former personality at Fox Sports, athlete. Where do we draw the line when it comes to this? You know, recently I was, uh, I traveled, I went to Vegas, in fact, over the, over the weekend. Had a blast. But I was sitting in the airport, both heading there and coming back. And I hear overhead on a loop, the audio loop, on and on and on about social distancing, about keeping our distance because we need to stop COVID. And then you get on the plane and they talk about keeping your mask on over your nose, keep your mask on over your mouth because, you know, um, COVID can spread. But no, we don't social distance on a plane. I was literally crammed together with other people. I think there were 16 people within six feet and we're crammed together. I'm practically engaged to the lady next to me. I know all about her now because she's practically in my lap because the seats are so small and we're like wedged in there. We're not social distancing. And then the flight attendants again, they're sitting in the back. Who knows what they're doing? But it's like, what, what are we doing? And then you get this vaccine. And you've got people debating whether or not they're going to take the vaccine or not. And you've got people in the Marines. You've got firefighters, first responders not wanting to take the vaccine. In fact, there's some congressional people wanting to make it a mandate that Biden does executive order to make sure that all military people take the vaccine, whether they want it or not, because it sets a good example. It sets a, it sets a good example for other people. Because if we don't take the vaccine, then people lose out. Remember this from a, a week ago, I think it was, when I played it? 
My main concern is that we're not going to reach herd immunity because of vaccine hesitancy. And I know that's hard for a lot of people to believe who desperately want the vaccine right now. And they're thinking, oh, well, it's just a small percentage of people who are actually anti-vaxxers. And that's true. There is the anti-science, anti-vaxxer contingent. But I think that there are many more people, millions of people, who, for whatever reason, have concerns about the vaccine, who just don't know what's in it for them. And we need to make it clear to them that the vaccine is the ticket back Back to pre-pandemic life. And the window to do that is really narrowing. I mean, you were mentioning, Chris, about how all these states are reopening. They're reopening at 100%. And we have a very narrow window to tie reopening policy to vaccination status. Because otherwise, if everything is reopened, then what's the carrot going to be? How are we going to incentivize people to actually get the vaccine? So that's why I think the CDC and the Biden administration needs to come out a lot bolder and say, if you're vaccinated, you can do all these things. Here are all these freedoms that you have because otherwise people are going to go out and enjoy these freedoms anyway and i fear a situation of coming into the fall where we never reach herd immunity and then we get hit by the next surge of 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 covid19 in the fall something that we could have prevented if we just got people vaccinated now so ticket to pre-pandemic life we got a narrow window to get people vaccinated use the reopening policies and tie to vaccine vaccinations that way we can get our freedoms back. If we don't get vaccinated, we don't get our freedoms back is basically what she's saying. 99% survival rate. In fact, 99.4% survival rate, according to the World Health Organization. A 0.06% fatality rate. But yet we need to vaccinate everybody before we can have our freedoms that the Constitution says we can. Before we open again. But yet, Johnson & Johnson just stopped their vaccine because it was causing blood clots. How many other instances of people dying? So a 99.6% or 99.4% survival rate, and we're exposing people to unnecessary and unprecedented vaccine that is harming them. And we don't know what the future is going to be like because there wasn't the testing over the long term. And how do I know it's a 0.06% fatality rate? Well, because the World Health Organization tells me. What um, many groups are looking at right now is what we're calling the infection fatality ratio, which is looking at the number of deaths um, among all of the people who have been infected. Um, And right now, we don't know how many people have been infected um, because there are challenges with surveillance and detecting every single one of the cases. And certainly, there are many unrecognized cases at the moment. Um, What we understand from uh, many of these studies, these are estimates of the the IFR, the infection fatality uh, ratio, um, is that the estimates hover around less than 1% of zero or 0.6%. Um, and there are a couple of studies that are out um, that have estimated this 0.6%. And so there's the World Health Organization coming out and saying 0.06%. So why is there such a push on this vaccine? A vaccine that's causing blood clots, a vaccine that's causing people to get COVID once they've already had it and they're getting the shot, the vaccine that's causing people to die, have their skin peel off. Why is it? Why do we have to retie or tie reopening policies to the vaccine? What is so important about this vaccine that everybody has to get it? Maybe follow the money? I'm on a plane. This close to people, scrunched together. Practically hear their heartbeat. We're so close together. 
That's okay, regardless of vaccination. And then you got places like New York saying that the vaccine passport is going to be in effect. Guess I won't be going to New York anytime soon. Oh, bummer. Other states making laws that uh, the vaccine passport will not be recognized or used, like Florida, Texas, etc. Sounds like some wise people. But why is it? And we've had the problem, so Johnson & Johnson has stopped giving out. And the funny thing, I shouldn't say funny, because it's really sad, but people have called for Johnson & Johnson to continue giving their vaccine. People have said that they should not stop the vaccine, even though it's causing blood clots. Are you kidding me right now? What kind of logic is that? But then how effective is it? Does it last a long time? Do we have to get it again? Do we have to get a booster shot? Should I be expecting to get a booster shot at some point in the future? And if so, when would that be? And will it need to be the same brand as the original vaccine that I got? Mm. Okay. Yep. Great question. So to answer the second part first, I think that if a booster ultimately is recommended, I think that we're going to recommend that you get the same one that you got originally. Um, when, of course, is the million dollar question? What I can tell you, which is really good news, is that at the six month mark, the curve looks pretty good in terms of how robust both the antibody response remains after vaccination, but also that other part of the immune system that we don't spend a lot of time talking about the T cell response also remains really good. I think six months from now, we're going to get a better idea of exactly if and when um, we do need to get a booster. And remember, it might not just be a booster of the original. We may have a booster shot that actually contains more than one variant. Mm-hmm. Think about the analogy to the flu shot every year it covers about three to four strains. So a lot of unanswered questions. Um, and I know that's not so satisfying for folks, but the answer is yes, I think we will. We just don't know exactly so you're going to need a booster shot and inject yourself with more of this stuff and even more strains will be added to the booster shot but we won't know for six months so what happens after six months do you have to go back and get tested to see what these robust t-cells are doing and what the antibodies are doing see no one ever sat down to figure out how it's being transmitted they just assumed look it up they just assumed first masks now don't need them it's touch. Then I was like, okay, well, yeah, maybe we should have a mask. And social distance and wash hands. And now you listen to Fauci, it's get a vaccine, double mask, still stay home, and stay away from everybody. Where's the logic? Where's the reason? Where's the science in any of that? And yet we're jabbing ourselves with something that we don't even know. We don't know what's going to be like. We don't know what's going to happen. And yet, why is it that it's going to become such a thing that if you don't have a vaccine passport for something that's 99.4% survival rate? Because that's what they're talking about. They're talking about having to have a vaccine card. Go online and look. In order to travel, other places around the world are already doing it. Why? Why all of a sudden, for this one thing, we've had H1N1, we've had swine flu, bird flu, mad cow disease, the regular flu. We've had all kinds of things. Why all of a sudden is it now with this particular disease that a year ago nobody knew nothing about, now a year later 
We have these people that are so-called experts telling us that we need the vaccine, we need to double mask, we need to social distance unless you're on a plane, and then you need to stay at home. But if you get a vaccine, you can have all the freedoms you had before, which usurps the Constitution, and yet we have to do it in a timely manner because otherwise people don't want to get vaccinated because they're already being open and free and able to do the things that they want to do, but they're not vaccinated. So why all of a sudden? So you have this booster shot. Because the vaccine isn't forever, so you're going to have to continually take that. You have to get the vaccine in order to travel and to go to places like New York before you can reopen. Some are even saying that you have to get the vaccine in order to go to ball games anywhere, travel, go to gyms. And they're saying that you need to keep, keep that card like a birth certificate, like a social security card, laminate it, make digital copies. Because that's going to be like, what, your passport? Something sounds fishy about that. And so, again, why? Recently in California in 2017, you may or may not know this, but remember the HIV virus? We had no idea what it was. We made some assumptions early on, and then we kind of figured it out as the years went by. But there were laws on the books. Let me play this for you, and then... You decide, and we can discuss it. California Governor Jerry Brown signed a law Friday reducing the penalty for knowingly exposing someone to HIV from a felony to a misdemeanor. The old set of laws were rooted in the early 1980s. At the time, there weren't effective treatments for HIV, and there were rumors of people intentionally infecting sexual partners with the disease. HIV treatment has gotten a lot better since then, and the new law is meant to reflect that. HIV drugs help prevent transmission, and HIV patients' life expectancies are now, quote, near normal. In 1995, the height of the AIDS epidemic in the U.S., more than 50,000 people died of the disease. In 2014, the last year with statistics, there were only about 6,700 deaths attributed to HIV. There has been some pushback to the law. Republican State Senator Joel Anderson said he doesn't think people who would intentionally infect others should get lighter sentences. So in 2017, then-Governor Jerry Brown reduces the penalty from a felony to misdemeanor, and the piece right there cites that treatments have gotten more effective and better, reducing the, the risk of spread. And so if you intentionally, knowingly infect somebody with a deadly disease that killed 50,000 people at one time, probably greater in the years before, but if you knowingly infect them without telling them, then it was a felony, but because treatments and medicine got better, it's now just a misdemeanor. Sounds like he maybe based that on science. Okay, well, let's play that out. 99.4% survival rate with COVID. Seems like there's been some medicines throughout the year, hydroxychloroquine that magically disappeared, but that was in the news forever. And so why do we have to force these vaccines on everybody? And why is it a felony if you have a fake vaccine card? Why all this importance on it? Why now? Makes you wonder, doesn't it? Because here we're reducing the sentences for HIV infection purposely on somebody unknowing because medicine makes it better, because we can have a near normal life if we're infected, because the rate of transmission can go down. Because the viral loads and things like that can be controlled with medicine. 
but yet something that 99.4% survival rate. A lot of people, if you take the news out of it, the headlines, the mainstream media, the story never blows up. Election year, probably story never blows up because they politicized it. That's a fact. You want to call it opinion? That's fine. You can call it opinion. I'll opinionize every once in a while. But why all of a sudden now do we have to have this emphasis on the vaccine? Makes you wonder. How about this? The Department of Defense creating an implant for early detection for COVID. Kind of like the minority report. What do you think of this? Consider a ship like the USS Theodore Roosevelt hobbled last year when 1,271 crew members tested positive for the coronavirus. What if everyone on board had their health monitored with this subdermal implant, now in late-stage testing? It's not some dreaded government microchip to track your every move, but a tissue-like gel engineered to continuously test your blood. It's a sensor. This tiny green thing in there? That tiny green thing in there. You put it underneath your skin, and what that tells you is that there are chemical reactions going on inside the body, and that signal means you're going to have symptoms tomorrow. Wow. There's an actual transmitter in that? Yeah, it's like a check engine light. Check this sailor out before he infects other people. That's right. Sailors would get the signal, then self-administer a blood draw and test themselves on site. Look at that. We can have that information in three to five minutes. As you truncate that time, as you diagnose and treat, what you do is you stop the infection in its track. Okay, sounds like a good idea on the surface. However, what about privacy laws? It's not a tracking device. Are you going to believe that? There's a lot of things that happened in the last year that prior to that I would have dismissed as conspiracy theorists, X-file-ish. Not anymore. Saw what the deep state did. High-level members of the FBI, possibly CIA, and the stuff that they created and concocted. Am I going to take the government's word by injecting something in my body like that? What happens if the sensor goes awry? What if someone hacks the sensor? There's all kinds of things that can go wrong. And they want to inject it subdermally so that we can see if we're going to be sick tomorrow. Sounds kind of fishy. So there's a lot of things going on that makes you wonder. You have to question. The one thing I question is why is everybody posting their COVID vaccine online? I don't get that at all. What's next? Mammogram results? Prostate exam results? I mean, come on, people. We know you're getting the vaccine. Don't need to see it. Don't need to post your vaccine card online. Keep it to yourself. I know we have this need to, to fit in. It's like in LA. If you have a, if you have a dog and it's not a rescue dog from a shelter, then you're, you're scoffed. You're laughed at. You're looked down upon because maybe you wanted a thoroughbred type dog, a purebred, but it's not a rescue. Hey, I got a pet. It's a rescue. I didn't ask, didn't ask where you got it, but people voluntarily throw it out. So what? One person did it. So now everybody's got to post it. But is it, is it even wise? Is it even wise to post it online? 
And here's the thing. Your full name is on there. Your date of birth is on there. And also your vaccine information, the batch number of the company. So if you're posting all of that, the FBI and other investigators are warning. That's just helping scammers to create, uh, you know, to steal your identity and also to create fake vaccine cards that look legitimate. Mm. So it's really a twofold issue here. When you put your name and birth date out there, you might not think it's a big deal. Oh, it's already on Facebook. But those are just clues that then can be used later to steal your financial data and also even ultimately lead to stealing your uh, social security number. Ooh. Identity theft. Yeah, I know a lot of you block out information, but people can look at the card and make fake ones. Fake IDs. Fake vaccine cards. Get them on the dark web for thousands of dollars. I like those little Nas shoes. So maybe we shouldn't post things online. Maybe we shouldn't expose information, personal information. Because there's a lot of things, even though you black it out, I've seen some, some pretty interesting picture apps that can do some crazy things and peel away layers and reveal information. Do what you want. But again, I don't understand why we're posting it. Doesn't make sense to me. So you got the vaccine. That's great. Personal choice. Should you be forcing it on everybody? No. Should it be a choice? Yes. Because if you get it, everybody that got it, and we still don't know the numbers because like the the audio bite from the World Health Organization, they don't know how many people got it. I know a few people at least 10 off the top of my head that had it and they know they had it, but then everyone got tested because people in their household had it and were confirmed to have it and they had symptoms and stuff. So there's a lot of people out there that probably had it. Well, what about all those people that had it but didn't have any symptoms? Remember that? So we don't really know what the fatality rate is. If you take out the scandal of the nursing homes in New York, and things like that, maybe the number is even less. We don't know. But a lot of people have taken this and used it for their own political gain, their own personal gain. They're talking about reopening schools. And I had some information from a school meeting. The teachers met online to talk about reopening. And one teacher, a male teacher who had been teaching for a number of years, and before the pandemic, you'd get up, you'd go to school, teach all day, go home, Put in long hours, right? Well, his question was, how is he going to take his midday shower now if he goes back to school? Because the midday shower is more important than his job, and the midday shower is more important than educating kids. So what he would do is he'd get up in the morning, probably like everybody else, just roll out of bed two minutes before class time, teach his hour or so in the morning, then go eat his breakfast, take his noontime shower, and then teach his hour or two in the afternoon and call it a day. So of all the things he asks about reopening is, how is he going to take his noontime shower? Tells you all you need to know. People are using things for their own personal gain. Whether it be a noontime shower, whether it be a political agenda, whether it be money, it's all there. And we have to deal with that. And we talk about change. We talk about enough. We talk about no more. Yet it continues. Why? Nobody makes changes. Nobody has the ability to come up with an original thought to sit down and figure out how is it that we can come up with a solution. It's the same thing. Take away guns. 
police are racist. The suspect was a saint. It's always the same thing. Never anything different. And then people are out there using it for their political gain, for their power, for their money. And we all have to suffer. And the cycle just continues. So if you're feeling down, maybe you're not personally affected by all this, but you're feeling down, you're feeling depressed, you're feeling enough's enough, it's okay not to be okay. But don't let it define you. Get back up. Overcome that obstacle. Take that greatness within you. Let it come out. Raise your standard. Be an inspiration to others. Take your passion. Make it happen and let yourself be great. This is Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast highlighting the stuff that's been stepped in so you don't have to. We're live every Tuesday night at 10 p.m. Pacific time right here on RadioWarp.com, W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. We're on Facebook Live most of the time, except I think tonight it got messed up, probably sideways. Um, you can also uh, find us on Instagram. There's two places. There's the show Instagram site, Two Steps Ahead Podcast, T-W-O, Two Steps Ahead Podcast. And then there's my personal website or personal Instagram, uh, at Edom Rocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S, at Edom Rocks. If you go to either site, there's a link, a link tree link in the, in the bio. You click on that link and some options come up. You can watch the video on YouTube. You can also uh, watch it on IGTV on Two Steps Ed podcast site. There's options to listen to the audio version. We're on all major platforms, but there's Spotify, Pandora, Apple Podcast. There's also a uh, merchandise, a swag shop for cool merchandise. Got some shirts, some hats, all different kinds of things. Got some dog apparel as well for that rescue dog. So check that out. That'd be muy bueno. And then there's um, some other things there. There's the Radio Warp, a link to radiowarp.com. Click on that and it takes you to uh, the media player to listen to us live. And so there's all kinds of things. So just go there and check it out. And if worst case scenario, you don't know what to do, just Google search TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast, and we pop up. I'd like to thank you for listening. We appreciate it. We appreciate your support. Um, so tell a friend. And uh, you can also email the show if you want to at TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast at gmail.com if you feel like uh, going OG, old school, and sending us there. So Two Steps Ahead Podcast, highlighting the stuff that's been stepped in so you don't have to. Thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. Take your passion, make it happen, and let yourself be great. We'll see you next time.